Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, and the website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. I tell you, I'm excited for the privilege that I have this morning to share the Word of God with all of you, and I'm just really grateful uh, that I've had this awesome opportunity granted to me by the Lord and by all of you, and and uh, I just couldn't be happier to, to be able to do this with all of you this morning. Today we're going to be looking, we're going to be resuming our study in the book of Romans, and we're ready for chapter 11. Now, remember, this was a letter to the church in Rome, okay, this this was not divided into chapters, as I've mentioned many times, and it's important for us to understand that. Um, chapters are amazing and helpful for study, uh, but sometimes we uh, we forget that it, it was all one uh, letter. And Paul, for the last ten chapters, has been just beating the points home that salvation only comes through believing in the Son of God in His death and resurrection and putting your faith in that and no amount of works or no amount of how Jewish you are or who your bloodline is can change any of that. And it's the same salvation for the Jew and for the Greek, for the Gentile. You must believe. He's also been beating beaten at home about God's sovereignty. Like, if you are blessed to be saved, don't be arrogant about it because God chose you, not the other way around. God showed mercy to you, not the other way around. And he's been pretty hard about how his people rejected Messiah. And as a result... The gospel has basically left them and went to the nations. However, in chapter 11, he's going to make the point that Israel is not cast away and that God has not completely abandoned uh, the, the literal bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're going to be getting into that this morning, and I'm just praying in the powerful name of Jesus that you'll be blessed, strengthened, and encouraged. There's a lot of nonsense out there uh, where people just won't read the scriptures for what they say. And so I'm praying that the Lord will speak through me and that it'll be the Word of God, very clear and easy to understand, being brought to you this morning. All right. With that backdrop, let's begin Romans chapter 11. Let's begin. Chapter 2 ended, or I'm sorry, chapter 10, by the way, ended with verse 21, which says, But as for Israel, he says, All the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And now we start chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. 
For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, and they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Please note. So Paul's saying, God has not completely abandoned the natural line of Abraham, and he, and he makes the point, may that never be. After all, I myself, Paul, am a descendant of Benjamin, right? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a descendant of Abraham myself. This is my brethren. He says it's very similar to what we see in the book of Kings, dealing with Elijah. Elijah thought he was the only servant of God left out of Israel, but God cleared that up and told Elijah, no, I actually have 7,000 others in Israel that you don't know about. The point that Paul's making is even though the gospel is going out to the Gentiles and that judgment has, has come upon Israel for the rejection of Messiah, God still has a remnant of these that have, that he is called out by his own choice, Paul says. Let's continue on. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Please note, I have to keep making this point as well. Paul's talking specifically about salvation. Everybody wants to confuse this with behavior. Paul's not saying, don't act right. Don't obey the commands. Paul's saying, salvation isn't by works, but by God's grace and mercy. Through the shed blood of Jesus. But he's going to clear up the works thing here in a minute. But everybody wants to tie those two together. No, your behavior matters. We'll get to that in a second. Verse 7, what then? What Israel is seeking, it is not obtained. But to those who were chosen, obtained it. And the rest were hardened. Say what? We've had to make this point over and over and over, haven't we? It's an uncomfortable point to make. Trust me when I say um, I'm, I'm not going to win any popularity contest by telling you that over and over and over in the book of Romans, Paul has made the point in nearly every chapter that God chooses those who will be saved, those who will be his children. And Paul takes it a step further and says he's hardened the ones that won't be. Say what? That's what that's what hey, that's what the scripture says, right? But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. 
just as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, and not ears to hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. So Paul refers to scriptures that are used over and over and over uh, by the prophets and by Jesus himself. Let me just read a couple of to you. Isaiah says, make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their eyes and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Jeremiah says, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Ezekiel says, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. Jesus says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, in the book of Matthew, and their eyes are dull of hearing. I mean, sorry, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. It almost sounds like Jesus is quoting directly out of the book of Isaiah and talking about. Israel in his day. And then Paul quotes it to finish making his point. Verse 11. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? So Paul's asking a question, have they completely fallen off or have they just stumbled over the stone, the stumbling block that is Jesus? He says, may it never be to the question, have they, compl- have they fallen? But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Interesting, huh? Paul says it's, it's because of the transgression of Israel and the rejection of Messiah that the gospel was able to go to the Gentiles. And then he says, and one of the purposes of this is to make Israel jealous because, you know, these promises and these blessings are going to go out to the Gentile believers and the Jews are going to be jealous about that, according to Paul. Verse 12, now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Now we're getting into an important doctrine or important understanding. He's saying, look, if their failures brought this kind of blessing to the world, what will happen when they finally open their eyes and believe? He's expecting that at some point in the future there's going to be a revival and an awakening amongst the natural Jews that will bless the world even more than their rejection did. Which is hard to imagine because think about it. The church started in Jerusalem and it spread throughout all the earth. Millions of Christians. Think about all the millions, billions of Bibles that have been printed and handed out worldwide. And the Gospels went to every corner of the world. And Christians have built these amazing things. And creation and the, you know, the Gospel 
and how it transformed the Gentiles has transformed the entire earth. Yes, there's lots of evil, but the Christian faith has done amazing things. If you study church history, you just study what Christian men have done and Christian women have done and how we've blessed the world. And it all started with the rejection of Christ by the Jews. Paul's saying that's nothing compared to what will happen when, they, when God opens their eyes and removes that temporary blinder from them. He says, how much will their fulfillment be? Explanation mark. But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my, my fellow countrymen and save some of them. You see, Paul, he's, he's heartbroken about his brethren. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but the life from the dead? Again, he makes that point again. Verse 16, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. Now, Paul's about to go into an explanation of what Israel is. The root of the tree is the descendants of Abraham, right? Like, they're rooted. Like, that's where the foundation started. Some branches were chopped off, even though they were natural branches, for their unbelief. And then some wild, unnatural branches, that being you and me, Gentiles, were grafted into the tree. So who is Israel? It's all of us who have believed and trusted in Messiah. We're all part of that same tree, but the root is the natural line. But we're still part of it. So this separation, while well, the church over here, Israel over here, here's God's redemptive plan for the church, but here's God's redemptive plan for Israel is nonsense to me. The scriptures are clear that there is no longer Jew or Greek when, in, in, when it comes to that plan. We're all one in Messiah. We're all part of the same tree. But Paul's trying to make a very important point that we need to understand. So let's continue on. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, Gentile person, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them, and become partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches are broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for, your, um, for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Are you catching this? Paul saying, Gentile believers don't get arrogant. You need to remember who the root is. 
you need to remember that you were grafted in, and if God is able to chop off the natural branches so that you can be grafted in, how much easier would it be to chop off the unnatural and bring back the natural? So don't get cocky. Remember that it's by faith. If you get to a place where you stop believing, if you stop pursuing salvation by faith, you can be you can be cut off too. If you start thinking that you can just observe certain things to obtain salvation, he will not spare you either. Verse 22, verse 22. Behold the kindness and the severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness. If, here's that two-letter word. Christians don't like the if because it, it means that I'm actually, there's an expectation here. So I'm in God's kindness, according to Paul, if, if what? If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. But that doesn't sound like what I hear from every single message, you know, church message. And you talk to any Christian, there's no ifs. It's, oh, you believed. You, you turn. Never worry again. Never examine yourself again. Never make sure you're walking in faith again. Like, it's all good. You did, you've got the fire insurance. You're good to go. Even though Jesus says in the book of Revelation, repent and I won't blot you out of the book of life. You see, the response to that by most Christians is either ignorance or, well, he doesn't really mean that. Because you can't be blotted out once you're written in. So he's, so Jesus is just wasting words. He's just talking out of the side of his mouth. And Paul, he's just wasting words too. I mean, you can't really be lofted off the tree, so... He's just, you know, he's just, he just means be respectful. <laughs> or there's an actual expectation that you continue in his kindness. I'll let you decide for yourselves. Verse 23. And they also, talking about the Jews, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? He's saying the Jews can be grafted back in if they just believe upon Jesus, believe upon Messiah. Verse 25, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So when will the revival happen? Paul says, here's the mystery. There's coming a day when they will believe and be grafted back in. That day has been pre-appointed by God 
For, for now God has hardened them to make room for the Gentiles. But when the fullness of the Gentiles, meaning when that number, whatever God has determined, when all of those God has chosen in advance from the foundations of the earth come to faith, when that number is full, he will then unharden and open the eyes and ears of natural Israel. That's what the scriptures are teaching. It's very clear. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodlessness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were once disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So that is 34, 36 verses of just meat right there to chew on. But honestly, if you're not trying to complicate it, if you're not trying to wiggle your way out of it, 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 it's not difficult to understand, is it? God hardened Israel. And because of their disobedience, they were cut off, except for a small remnant. This made a way for Gentiles to trust in Christ and be grafted into Israel, you and me. When that full number has come to completion, God will then open their eyes and they will be grafted back in. And if the blessing of them being disobedient was, um, was astonishing, just wait to see what the blessing looks like when their eyes are opened. Imagine the revival that's going to come out of Jerusalem when the Jews start praising and singing to Jesus. Yeshua, when they start saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Abashem, Yahweh. Imagine the revival that'll happen. Imagine the response of the world when all eyes are open. I think there's much to look forward to in spite of what we may think. I pray you've been blessed this morning. 
I hope you've been strengthened and encouraged. And I know this isn't necessarily going to be a popular message. You know why? Because the truth isn't popular. What people want is for this to be watered down and for me to say, well, then the church is going to be raptured and then then God's going to pay attention to the Jews. But I don't see it that way, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the Patreon subscribers who make this happen and the PayPal and those who send in the mail. Thank you for your prayers. All of it's far beyond what I deserve and I'm very grateful. And I'm blessed to have done this work. And yeah, that's all I have for this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.